Welcome to this week's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. Today, I welcome my friend Nelly Yusupova to the show to discuss tech speak for entrepreneurs. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned entrepreneur, you will need technology as part of your solution, now more than ever. And Nelly teaches you proven roadmap to accelerate your time to market, especially if you're not a technology company. Nelly is a chief technical officer with 18 years of experience, a tech advisor, uh, the creator of TechSpeak for Entrepreneurs, and over the years, she has managed many teams and software projects of all sizes and analyzed and optimized their development process for timely and cost-effective delivery. And it is a pleasure to have Nelly on the show. My biggest takeaways from this episode are, one, validate your idea to ensure it is viable and solves a real problem. The philosophy of building it and they will come does not work. And you don't need technical experience to launch a technology solution. So today, we're thinking big on how to use technology in our companies and our side hustle businesses. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Well, everybody, I want to introduce you to Nellie, and she is you're right up my alley because I've been in tech for 30 years. So technology, I'm a tech geek. I Sometimes I hate saying it because, you know, I <laughs> I talk in public and I do things and they're like. Well, geek is the new chic. You know that. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I am chic because <laughs> I am I am a true, a true geek. What, I, I, just curious, uh, you know, what got you into, into you don't fit the normal technology mold. I mean, so I've run technology companies. I run technology teams. And most of the people I can't pull out of the back room. They they stay kind of in the back because the technology just don't quite interact as well as as most people do. How how did you get started in in technology? I actually never thought I was going to be in tech. I'm a first generation immigrant. I came here from the former Soviet Union, Tajikistan in 91 when right before the Soviet Union collapsed. And when deciding what to study in school, I was determined to actually pick a major so that I didn't waste time going to school. Um, And I was sitting there with my guidance counselor and we decided that if I went into tech, because this was in the early nineties, if I went into tech, I will definitely have a job when I get out. Right. That was my early motivation. But the funny thing is that I actually thought that it was going to teach me Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel really, really well, like my computer science degree. I had absolutely no concept of what it would be, what it meant to be in tech, that you could actually write code and tell the computers what to do. I just, um, in fact, turned on the computer for the very first time in my computer science class. And that's where I started. I actually am not a techie. I didn't grow up with tech. Um, The Soviet Union was probably about 20 years behind in terms of technology when I, in the early 90s, when I came here. So I I call myself an accidental techie and having a very rough start was actually a blessing in disguise because I had to work really, really hard and 
what I discovered is something that I think prepared me for the rest of my career. And that if you are the creator of technology rather than the user, you have a lot more power to shape the future and actually solve the problems of the world much more efficiently. And once I got that, I was my whole life completely shifted upside down because I was I felt like I was powerful and um, in fact finished my computer science degree in three years instead of four because I was really excited and wanted to finish and get going. So yeah, that's how I got started. And I think coming from a non-tech background gave me the empathy to really understand how to communicate with people who are not techies, that the, the importance of getting down to their level and communicating, which is what a lot of non-techies have a hard time doing. Uh, sorry, a lot of techies have a hard time doing, um, right? And so I think oh, yeah. that made me um, perfect for the role that I'm doing. So now, now let me ask you your first question. When someone asks you a tech question, you say, is the power on? See, that's what we, I always have to start with. Do you have power? Do you, is the power button on? <laughs> so when, and we're going to get in and we're going to talk about your, uh, about your company, uh, TechSpeak. Before we get there, I mean, I am, so a lot of my listeners are entrepreneurs and they're, they're people starting off. And I absolutely love talking with people on what their, I don't know what their mindset was or where they were. Uh, because when, when we collide, when we have our imagination we, and we, and we think of these things and, you know, we, we get these thoughts, we have this imagination, most people ignore that intuition. They have these great ideas because of something they knew and they get this, you know, they get this thought and we just kind of, eh, that'll never work. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's stupid. What, what type of what, what type of thoughts and what, what type of mindset were you in when you thought because you had to bring a few things together to, to create a new company you brought different pieces together that you saw and your imagination said well if I could I, A's out here and B's out here if I do if I do this and create a C uh, you know option that will make everything you know better so where were you from a mindset standpoint when you because uh, that's where I, to me that's that's kind of where the ignition source is of, of genius is at that point where you have that thought and you have that energy and what you actually do about it rather than just sitting on your butt and saying well it'll it'll never happen yeah i think the best companies come from the biggest pain points that you see over and over and over again and even though you don't want to do them, they come back to you. And this was exactly the story of TechSpeak and how it was born. So TechSpeak is an online training where I teach non-tech entrepreneurs how to manage teams and projects without being technical or knowing how to code without being the tech guru, essentially, uh, which is a lot of the entrepreneurs, especially today, right? So the at the inception of TechSpeak, you know, I was a CTO. I would go out and I would speak and train on this topic already. And literally after every single event that I did, I had a huddle of entrepreneurs around me sharing horror story after horror story after horror story about them attempting to bring their ideas to life, working with tech people and just saying really bad things about developers. <laughs> <laughs> and 
At first, I actually blamed developers. I just couldn't figure out how they morally could function like this or even stay in business. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that actually the problem, yes, there are bad tech people, but most likely the problem is with the entrepreneur themselves. Because when you're not technical and you don't know the process for building web and mobile applications, you don't know how to ask the right questions, you don't know how to communicate your ideas effectively so your te so tech people know exactly what you actually mean. And um, you will always make mistakes because you will miss a lot of the red flags. And so once I had that epiphany, I, um, I thought, well, let me go find a resource for these people to recommend them. And there wasn't anything. I just, I looked really, really hard because I, you know, I was busy with my work. I didn't actually want to solve this problem. And there was nothing out there. And I thought, well, if there's nothing out there, I should create it. And the reason why I thought I was the perfect person is because I was actually, came from a non-technical background. I had so much empathy for non-technical people and um, understand their fears because I was there once. I was working with tech gods who uh, used to talk down to me and thought that I was some uh, young little chick who um, wasn't technical or whatever it is, right? And so they used to talk down to me and that never felt good. And my goal when I created the program was really to create something from beginning to end that would give them the entire thing to uncover that black box and make them realize that it's actually not that difficult to do if you know all of the steps. Right. And so, you know, we talked a little bit uh, before and, you know, I think that I don't care what type of business you open now or what type of side gig you're running or what anything that you're trying to do in today's environment, you have to have technology. Technology is going to have to play a part in yeah, there's not one company that I know of that does not have technology in, in a certain way. You know, you don't have to be a software company. You don't have to be, you know, a, a tech company, but you're going to have tech in whatever company you do, whether it be from, you know, uh, applications on your phone, on your computer to the, but there, we all have to get technology, whether we like it or not, technology is going to be in everything we do. And, and believe it or not, actually, COVID accelerated the adoption absolutely. of technology by at least, in my mind, five years. At and least, so minimum. There's so much opportunity now. And, actually, and I always actually advise entrepreneurs to consider how they can use their existing knowledge or existing expertise, domain expertise, and actually figure out how to solve some of those problems and create more efficiency using software and actually consider software to scale their business and scale themselves. Yes. Because it's so much more powerful to be the creator. There's, from a business perspective, if you create technology and sell it to other people, because software as a business is a very, very uh, efficient and yes. profitable if you uh, set it up correctly, if you find that super critical problem that I call a painkiller and right. you're able to be able to solve it directly, there's a lot of opportunity in that. And so I always think, don't just be the user of technology, be the creator. Yeah, and, I, and you know, if I look at people that I know, every one of them has something that they know how to fix for somebody, but they don't know how to go about creating 
the solution to fix that problem. And some of them have tried. So I've got friends that have tried to go out and, and actually tried to get with people to develop software for them, an application for them. Some absolute genius ideas that they've had and they've fallen and they've wasted so much money because they didn't, they didn't know what they don't know. And they didn't know the questions to ask. They didn't know what to do. And they ended up wasting a lot of money and not, you know, not being able to do what they do. Uh, and, and I know that's part of what your company does is you guide people into, you know, making the correct decisions, doing the right things with the, with the technology. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really super critical to understand is that there's modern ways of building software that are very different than the traditional way of building software. And the lean startup, I don't know if your, uh, if your audience is familiar with the lean startup philosophies is all about. So the traditional way, most people build the solution first and then they go find the audience and the market for it. And then the new way, the lean startup way, is you actually find the market first. You identify the problem that people are going to be willing to pay you money for. You find the business model and you don't do anything until you actually are sure that there are people who are willing to pay you money for. And so but before you spend thousands of dollars on development, you can actually be 100% sure that, hey, if I take this risk and if I do this, I already have customers lined up. And some of my uh, students actually pre-sold their solution. We're able to get paid yeah. ahead of actually building anything. Absolutely. And so there's that whole mindset of, why don't we try? Why don't we test in the cheapest way possible? And the whole philosophy behind my training is learn early, learn often, learn cheap. And because there's so much technology that has already been developed, it's actually so much cheaper now to get started. And if you know all of these options, you are so way ahead of the game because you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to build apps like we did before in the early 90s. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think if people have the mindset that if you come, if you find the problem, and this is what you were talking about, if you find the problem, there's going to be a technology solution. There's going to be a solution for it. So if you come with the mindset of, let me find the problem, let me find the audience, let me find the, the people first, because there's where there's a will, there's a way, and there are efficient and, and cheaper ways to do it. But yeah, I think that's a great way to do it is to find your, you know, find your, you know, the, find the problem before the, before the solution and kind of, and get the solution made that, that fits, uh, that fits that problem. And, and going back to the COVID stuff, you know, I think that, uh, I've seen so many amazing tech stuff come out of, of COVID and then things that are happening are just genius. You know, for instance, I do a lot of uh, cycling and one of the applications I use is called Zwift. And it's basically a computer that's hooked up to your bike. You know, you're, you're actually on your real bike, and it's a game. I'm riding with people from all over the world. Uh, it, I, I think that probably saved my life during COVID because <laughs> you yeah, couldn't you go out and do anything. Community, yeah. <laughs> so it's technology that we're able to adapt to, and and now ride you know any time of the day that I want with people from around the world. And I think those are the things that are going to again. That was someone's idea. That was someone's you know passion that they did, and they they started this, and it's. I'm seeing a lot of that with COVID and I'm seeing a lot of, you know, even, even for companies that are, that are normally brick and mortar, a lot of them are moving to 
a virtual or moving to where people work from home. And, and again, that goes back to the need for the technology, no matter what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It, it, I, I'll give you an example of actually a brick and mortar business that actually used software to scale themselves that I think will open up an, uh, kind of the, the mindset of what's possible. So um, it's a flower shop owner and she used to do wedding flowers and all of her customers used to complain that they couldn't figure out how to work efficiently with vendors. She was a, one of the vendors, she was a flower shop vendor and she heard this problem over and over and over and over again and um, so she decided to build a marketplace where she cre- connected vendors and people who were planning weddings together and also created a way for them to actually plan their weddings and keep track of all of the communications using software. And she was able to raise money for it and um, it used to be a, like a big thing. Yeah. And simply, I mean, she already used the knowledge that she had. She already knew the connection of all the vendors because she was doing that manually anyway. And so taking your existing knowledge, taking your existing business and trying to figure out how can you solve those problems that you're probably hearing every single day, but you're ignoring them instead of saying, well, how could I solve this? And can technology help me do that? Right. And I think one of the the biggest hurdles that I find, at least talking with people, is they don't see far enough ahead. So in other words, they're basing what they think is options or what they think is a possible solution based on what they already know, not what they, not where things will be in five years, not where things will, they're not thinking outside of their current reality to see some of these, uh, some of these solutions where technology uh, can, can come in and, and, and help. And what are, what are some of the, like, if you working with clients, what are some of the biggest like problems that your clients have that, that you see kind of over and over again? Going back to what you were saying, you know, what are what are what are your clients' biggest hurdles? I think the biggest mistakes that people make going into software is that if they have an idea, the first thing they think about is I need a developer to help me build it. And in the 10-step process that I teach, writing code is actually step number eight. That means that there are seven steps that you can do, they should do, before you write a line of code. And a lot of the stuff that we talked about, um, you know, validation, building a prototype, those two things you can do completely without writing any code and allow you to test your idea and refine the solution. And then steps three to seven is all about preparing for building your minimal viable product, so the small version of what you want to build, and iterating uh, to success slowly and um, strategically. And most people rush that process. And a lot of your developers will uh, say, well, let's, of course, I'll build this for you, right? But then they focus on the product versus on the customer. And that's the biggest mistake that I think a lot of non-technical people make because they think that the solution is the most important thing. And in the early days, Finding the business model that works, solving a problem that actually people are interested in, that's the number one thing you need to think about. And so using this lean and agile way of 
um, iterating and figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work and moving faster is going to enable you to really find what is the thing that people want and are willing to pay for. And that's de-risks this, this opportunity for and the investment that you have to make. And I think that if you, if you look at it that way, it's actually not that risky, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Um, and and it, it's really just important for you to get this process, understand it, and then manage, set the expectations of this is how I'm going to be working with versus the developer is going to say, well, let's custom code everything and let's just focus on code. And I think that's why it's so important for non-technical entrepreneurs to know all of this stuff and not just rely on tech people to advise them. Right. And what's funny is you see the same sort of agile type model of, of developing stuff in big companies like Google's and you know all these big tech companies and even non-tech companies. You see them going to that that model. And and I want you know so I want the listeners to kind of look at this a little bit different because I don't want people to listen to this this uh, show and say, oh, that's for someone that's just you know building a tech company or someone. What are some of the different types of uh, customers you've had that you've helped get through? Because I'm I would bet that a ma- majority of your customers are not tech companies. They're no. absolutely so. This isn't a this isn't a tech thing. This this is how to utilize to me how to utilize tech to get your solution to market. Yeah, so I already shared a flower example with you. Um, Another one is a yoga instructor. She had a yoga studio in New York City and she was tired of trading hours for money. And you know, with the studio, you can't scale even if you have employees beyond the total number of hours that you guys can work. And this was way pre-COVID before everybody was doing classes online, she decided to build an app to teach parents how to do yoga with their kids. And it was an instant hit and she launched the app. I mean, she was obviously non-technical. She had no idea what she was doing, but she extended the revenue source of her business, instantly became a global business because now anyone from any, anywhere in the world could buy the app. And uh, she set it up as a subscription service, right? It's, I always say yeah. build an app uh, an app business, not an app, because people are unwilling to pay 99 cents in an app store. But if you shift that as a, this is a service I'm providing, then people are willing to pay you for it um, and be happy to do that. And so she was able to create new revenue sources, again, using her existing skills. Another really great example is uh, a real estate guy. Again, no tech experience. He He was just in real estate for like 20 years heard the same problem over and over and over again. He was an agent and saw a lot of inefficiencies that he then could solve for, but he was like, what would I do? Like, what would I need if I had to solve this problem? And so using prototyping, he was able to visualize his solution. He took this prototype, which was just a clickable prototype and took it to an agency and showed it to them and said, this is my idea. This is the product I'm building. And just on the prototype, on the clickable prototype without writing any line of code, he was able to pre-sell his solution and got paid to build it. This was one of the examples that I told you um, that you know he got prepaid to actually build the solution. And then he came right. to my program to actually learn how to bring that idea to life. Um, so there's lots and lots of these types of examples. And I think the more the most powerful examples, I mean, we have doctors, 
We have a dentist. I have a dentist in the program right now who has a such unique lens on the problem. I couldn't solve any of the problems that she's seeing because I have no idea what those problems are. But she, again, was in the industry for 27 years and she uh, just saw the same thing over and over again. And she has a very unique problem and a unique lens onto that problem that gives her an advantage because no one else can copy that problem. And so there's a lot of uh, people who have domain expertise who can share and scale their expertise through technology by solving inefficiencies. I mean, that's all you have to do. Yeah. Now, you know, I've seen you on Clubhouse as well. And by the way, you're crushing it on Clubhouse. You're (laughs) you're doing great. So, you know, we're talking about proof of concepts and we're talking about, you know, doing this stuff. To me, I, I see Clubhouse as one of those venues to be able to do a proof of concept of an idea because you can have immediate feedback from people and yeah no i mean you can get pretty quick on, on clubhouse where where do you see clubhouse i know we're i'm going all over the place. i've got so many questions we're, i'm going all over the place but where i do think you see- it's awesome yes i actually so we just got off a coaching call so every every friday we do a coaching call and Today, we talked about how to do customer development and validation on Clubhouse um, yep. because it is the most perfect venue to be the yep. fly on the wall and listen to the problems that people are expressing. So you can go to any room. Any room has a topic. You can start a room on the, whatever topic you're interested in, and you can strategically use this venue to be able to spot the problems that people have, to see how they talk about them, how they express them. Some people are so emotional about how they communicate, you know, like all of these things that you want in an interview, doing yeah. customer development in the one-on-one setting, it's, it's uh, you're basically a spy on the wall and listening yeah. to all of that and so much learning can happen from that. Yeah, So and, and I think from a marketing standpoint and from finding, so again, we, we talked, you know, early on in the podcast, Find your problem that you're going to solve first, then go and look at a technology or, or a solution to, you know, to to fix that problem. And to me, Clubhouse, like you said, is it's the perfect way to one, go identify problems. But I also go on there and I'll start talking about things and see how people react to solutions. So you can get a so before you'd have to kind of build a prototype, then you'd go take it to a few customers and you would say, you know, how does it work? How do you think? On Clubhouse, you can take a lot of that, the philosophy of what you're doing out there and get immediate feedback from people who are currently having those those problems and, and how does that resonate with them and how does it work so yeah i think clubhouse is going to be one of the if they do it right uh but yeah. again that's one of those technologies and what gets me is i was doing that back in the 80s it was called 1-800 conference and it's like yeah, come on that was called the radio the, the <laughs> call-in show <laughs> i'm like i guess what's what's old is new again but they put a spin well on what it. i think they did really really well um is they capitalized on two trends which is podcasting and social networking so social networking hasn't been um disrupted since really facebook and twitter like nothing right. else really took off and instagram right. those are the big three players yeah. and yeah. nothing else has really took off since then and so the, that industry was ripe for disruption and voice was like with podcasting has been on the rise for the last few years it's still on the rise right and they married those two together and it was like i think the pandemic 
was their perfect catalyst for it because people were craving for communication and connection. And once you experience talking to people while being a part of the conversation, rather than typing like on Twitter or Instagram, it's a whole different way of communication. And I think that's the innovation that they uh, were able to to capitalize on. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And, and how happy do you think Apple is right now that it's an Apple only? Because <laughs> I, I know I, I actually know a lot of people that have jumped ship from, you know, from other platforms to get on on Apple so they could get on Clubhouse. And like, oh, I know. You know yeah. You know, Apple's in the background going, keep it on Apple. Keep it on Apple. Don't don't move it <laughs> because it is. It, I mean, they're, they've they've grown a market share since since Clubhouse is, has been out since it's, those listening. It, it's it's a Apple only for now, I know, I know they're going to come out with some other ones, but for now it's Apple only. So how, how are you going to use Clubhouse in kind of what you do? Are you going to use it as a platform to kind of get a, you know, a prototype uh, out there of, of getting the, the feedback? Or are you going to actually use it for, see, and I think it's also a perfect application for actually going out and connecting, getting people into your tribe, not only going yeah. out to see, you know, a solution and, and, and see these things out there and see what the problems people are having, but also it's a fantastic way to actually and it's not like the other social media where you'll go like someone and you know on, on instagram or facebook and you might never talk to them it's like you're you're talking with these people so it's actually connecting yeah. it's so amazing for connecting and showcasing your expertise yeah. um it's like for me it has changed my business in during the pandemic so i'm a speaker i'm a trainer and part of the way that i promote my program is actually doing trainings for other organizations and when events got canceled i was like okay so what am i going to do um it's not like people are advertising anywhere that they have an idea or they need to be in the space so it was going to be very hard for me to actually realize like find my tribe or find the people that needed my help. And through uh, Clubhouse, I just start a room on the topic and everyone who's interested in that topic flocks to me. <laughs> I host uh, rooms uh, a few times a week and I'm able to fill up my webinars and people who want to learn more and even people who uh, upgrade to take the trainings. Uh, and I feel so amazing because my webinars and everything that I do is all focused on action. And uh, I get, get so much feedback from people, even who don't take my courses and just take my free webinars that they say, well, you completely transformed at how I look at this. And now I'm able to take action. And that's like when I'm when I'm hearing that, that I'm, I'm fulfilling my mission because it's all about taking action every day. And if you are really passionate about taking your idea to uh, to life and the only thing that's stopping you is the fact that you are not technical, that's a huge shame. Yeah. Right? And there's yeah. so much you can do as a non-technical person that, that does not require developers' help. And if I can show you how to do that, how to take that first step and give you the confidence to know that you're on equal footing with these people, right? Yeah. You don't need to have the developer God complex, which is what most non-technical people have. And once you realize that, hey, I bring something to the table, it changes the game for them. And that's what I'm here to do, really, is just shift their mindset that they can yeah. do this. 
And it's, you know, you go back to, you know, some of the technology, you don't need to be a technology. I, there was a story I read last week where a guy, he hired, I think on Fiverr. So he went and he hired a music person that, you know, you can get anything done on Fiverr, had a music person create some music for him. And then he went and he paid a TikTok star, I think $500 to do the song. And all of a sudden, so literally with six, $700, he's like a TikTok <laughs> sensation because he was, he, he, he didn't know any of the stuff himself. He, he didn't know how to right. do music. He wasn't a TikTok, but he was able to align things to be, to get where he wants to go. And, and I think that's where kind of where your, uh, where your webinars, you know, people don't know what they don't know. You know, we talked about that and going to like your webinars and going to those things, you're going to learn at least a piece of knowledge on how to make that next step. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is people don't even know that there is a next step. They, they can't see that next step because they just, they're just, they, they don't know. So going yeah. to like your webinars and stuff. Yeah, that's a great place. And let's talk about your company a little bit. Uh, Tech Speak. How long have you been, how long have you been doing that? Well, I first launched it in 2012. Uh, so it's been around for a long, a long time. I actually thought it was going to take me two weeks to, uh, to create because I do this stuff every day. And I, my goal was to teach everything that I do every day with my developers. And it actually took me about three and a half months of full-time work nonstop to create, uh, simply because I had to take these big, hairy subjects and then try to distill them into small, compact. These are, this, these are the essentials that you need to know. So uh, that was a challenge, but a very interesting one. And so I launched it in 2012 and I've been doing them live over the weekend, pre-COVID. And uh, that, that has been working. And then when COVID happened, I was like, well, this is, this is the prime time to actually launch it online. I've always had feedback, like people would say, oh, I love the process and they would learn it over two days but I wish I had something to come back and refer to. And that's what really now is the program. Uh, they, they have something, they learn it. Um, I give them support, but they have something for a lifetime to come back to and re-listen and learn more, et cetera. So it's, right. it's now allowing me to um, kind of like a blessing in disguise, right? To affect and reach so many more people because I can, I have, people from Australia taking my program and India and like all these countries who I wouldn't be able to reach before because it was an event people had to travel to. And that right. was a big barrier for a lot of people. Yeah. And we are in such a great time in history for me. I, th I think we're in such a great time because if we look back even 20 years ago, having access to you or having access to your resources was very hard for people to do in general. We have resources that we have access to literally for a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks, whatever, you know, whatever it is that we have access to anytime on the computer. We didn't have those things, you know, 15, 20 years ago. They were much harder. They were much more expensive. Uh, you know, you might have charged, you know, $5,000 an hour for, you know, for your time for consulting. And, and now with, because of technology, we can now reduce that cost and we can, we can, if there's anything that you can't do, shame on you because there's, <laughs> there's all answers. the information is out there. It's all there and their answers are all there. There's people, you know, so taking, you know, your, your stuff, it's like, it's all there. 
it's there, there's there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing yeah, those things. Absolutely. And I yeah. think I think if you take programs and let's let's uh, talk about learning in general, there is so much out there, so much free content that's available, and that's so incredible and so powerful. But that it's also a problem for I think it presents a problem of too much choice and right and you have no idea where to focus and what opinion to trust. And so when you're picking people that you want to work with or learn from, get to know them as people and what they teach, how they teach, the approach of their teaching and spend the money to cut your learning curve to be able to just get what knowledge they want to share with you because they've already done all the work they've done the the more expensive work to be able to get to where they are and to be able to learn from them and cut your learning time like i said is incredibly uh, rewarding because you now know that the information you're getting is legitimate and is actionable and is actually worth whatever you paid for and and that's the thing you can literally cut years two weeks on getting something done because of going through people who who have already been there they've already done that and we have to I, it always cracks me up when someone comes to me and they're like well I'm not going to pay $1000 for that I mean that's a, that's a waste of I'm not I'm, I'm not going to go spend 1000 just to, I'm like you're going to spend 20000 if you try doing it on your own <laughs> and it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer spend $1000 learn what you need to know and move on because if I can if I can spend $1000 and make $100,000 it's like uh, duh, but people, it's uh, boy, that's a big, you know, a big hurdle sometimes uh, to do yeah. that. Well, I so, create. It's, it's funny we're talking about money because I actually created a quiz, and if you guys are interested in the link, it's techspeak.co forward slash quiz. And if you take the quiz, you you know it'll actually calculate based on the mistakes that you make how much money you're leaving on the table. And if you make every single mistake in the 10 step process that I teach, <laughs> that number very conservatively com- comes out to be $156,000. Now, what if I failed 12 <laughs> of the 10? Then, <laughs> because sometimes you do multiple, t- multiple <laughs> failures in each of the steps. Um, and, well, sometimes and so- I do the same. Sometimes I fail on the exact same step. <laughs> That's not good, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not good. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you don't know what you don't know, you, you're always going to make mistakes. And some yeah. of those mistakes are really expensive. And I think what's what's in business, the biggest asset you have is time. Yeah. And sometimes not missing the market opportunity is yeah. what's really really essential because if you're if you're taking too long to launch if you are taking too long to learn you literally could miss that window of opportunity that you can yep. totally capitalize on simply because you don't know the information yeah so if i had a friend which i do believe it or not i actually see i'm an it guy but i, I still have friends that is looking to create a business from again they they see a problem and this is real. I mean, they see a problem in the industry that they're in and they know that there's a solution to help a lot of people out. What are the steps that, that she should take? What, what's the so, first thing? Like if, if you had a client, what, what's the first thing you would say, here's your first thing to do? So the first thing to do is to go through a formal customer validation process. And this process 
is all based on the lean startup methodology and it's very not scalable but the goal of it is to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with your potential customers and you actually identifying your potential customer is actually one of the things you're testing because you could be talking to different uh, groups of types of people that could be the perfect audience for you. So we talked about looking for the market, looking for the business model, and actually finding the most lucrative uh, opportunity through this step and really defining the problem. Um, I, I have, uh, I love this example. This woman came into my program. She already had her solution figured out and, and I pushed her to do this validation step. And I said, you really need to do this first. I know that you are an expert in your field. I know this is the way you think the solution should happen, but just, just humor me, go through this first step first. And there was only one insight that she got from one of maybe the 10th conversation that she had. She, she had that insight and she followed up on it and all of her next interviews, she figured out and built on top of that insight. And the problem, the definition of the problem that was, uh, was directly related to that insight. And so once she realized what that problem was, the solution of how she needed to solve that problem was completely different than what solution she thought she needed <laughs> to build. That's how important this step is, yeah. right? It's, it was completely, I mean, same industry, right? Same types of people. Yeah. But the way she needed to solve that problem was completely different. See, and I'm so, so that like, I am so her. I've <laughs> done that. I, I came from the philosophy of build it and then they will come. And that's just that's not that only works. works in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> because let me tell you, I built a whole bunch of really killer stuff and nobody came. Nobody had I done what you say and actually gone out and see what what the people really need, then I'm on been successful at those but no I've, I've, I've been there and that's absolutely true uh, absolutely true uh, well I want to what is the best way for people to get uh, again and for all the people listening it's gonna be in the show notes as well yeah so the best place to find me is techspeakforentrepreneurs.com uh, if you are interested in any of the free webinars that we mentioned there's a link right in the navigation that says free classes. You can't miss it. Just click on it and you'll see the free classes that I offer every week. Uh, just sign up for a webinar and you'll learn a lot from that process, even if you don't purchase the course. Of course, if you actually want to get the step by step, feel free to check that out. Um, but you will learn the first step you need to take, the second step you need to take, the third step you need to take, the whole philosophy for how you should be approaching and thinking about it. Uh, so that'll be very helpful for you to uh, to just have as a framework for how you need to think about starting a tech startup as a non-tech person. And what's the best way for them to get with you on Clubhouse? See, I think that's a great thing to do as well as yeah, absolutely. I'm Digital Woman everywhere on social. Um, I have digitalwoman.com. That's my persona on the web. Uh, so you can you can find me anywhere. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I can't wait to I can't wait to get into some more of your uh, more of your rooms up there. I'm I'm very interested in and there's some great stuff up there. So so thank you, and and I really want to thank you for being on the podcast and everyone listening. Do go check you know go and check uh, Nellie out. She's got some great stuff up on her up on her website with her uh, webinars and spend. 
20, 30 minutes because, you, again, you don't know what you don't know. And to me, that that's one of the biggest problems that I see with people is they don't move forward because they don't even know that there is a forward. So it's not like they even give up. They think it's too hard. I'm going to give up. They give up because they don't think it's even possible. So I think that's the one of the biggest problems that I see. And, and, and you, you definitely help uh, solve that problem for people. So a uh, great job on that. And, and again, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be on the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. And it was great to have Nelly on the show today. Added so much value, especially for you know learning technology for our, our companies. And if you enjoyed listening, please take a second to rate the show on iTunes. Every podcaster will tell you that iTunes reviews really drives listeners to our shows. So please let me know what you think, good or bad. And make sure you also subscribe using your favorite podcast player. It means a lot to me and our guests. So thank you so much. And until next week, remember to always be thinking big.